everyone, I'm Christine Bentley here with Kate Wheeler and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money, that's wealth esteem. So most importantly, how was your trip to see your babies? My trip was the best ever. I've, I think four days is just perfect, especially when you're visiting uh, well, in this case, my niece and my nephew, who've both had babies, one 10-month-old mm-hmm. and one who's six weeks old, they're all on routines, you know, trying to get from, you know, four naps to three naps, two naps to mm-hmm. one and, and, and sleeping schedules. And it's just perfect. You go for a couple of days and you just do the hangout thing. We didn't do – like I've lived in London. I've been to London a gazillion times. So there was no – I wasn't interested in sightseeing. I wasn't interested in going out to fancy dinners. I just wanted to hang out. And it was just fabulous. You know? Well, that's excellent. Yeah. I mean, they're so and cute. And you brought back that amazing 850-gram block of Cadbury milk chocolate. But not just Cadbury milk chocolate. English Cadbury milk which chocolate, is, which, is, which is a whole superior. different different. And you brought back one for me, for which I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful, and my thighs, not so much. Um, But we're also giving one away. Mm -hmm. We are. uh, are. Well, Christine is giving one away, so you can find that on whatshesaidtalk.com. So the deal is this. What you do is you, you, you come and get the chocolate bar, and then you have to email us after and tell us how you feel it's different from normal Cadbury's dairy milk here. milk chocolate, okay. right? It will improve your quality of life, that's for sure. Yes. Um, now, speaking of quality of life, the economic burden of arthritis on our society continues to rise. Get this, currently more than $33 billion annually. That's Unbelievable. huge. Unbelievable. So, and, and, you know, we are going to start off the show today talking to Heather Shantara, the CEO of PT Health, who's here to tell us about an exciting new partnership with the Arthritis Society. So the partnership aims to help patients suffering uh, from arthritis get relief from chronic pain and discomfort, as well as an improved quality of life. I have arthritis in my knee, so I'm going to be very interested in this. I'm never getting arthritis. Okay. I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of improved quality of life, we'll also be joined by psychotherapist, holistic nutritionist, and author Christina Vero, who has just written a guide for parents and teachers and mentors called The Anxious Teen, out now, that helps answer the question, why are teens so darn anxious in the first place? And what can we all do to help? Mm. As rates of anxiety, of course, are hitting catastrophic numbers among today's youth. And Brody will have all the latest movie and TV reviews, plus a chat with Oscar-winning producer Clark Spencer about his latest project, Ralph Breaks the Internet. That's also known, of course, as Wreck-It Ralph 2. That hits theaters this November. Canadian comedy writer Lauren Wise will also be in. Her first novel, Swap Club, was a huge hit, and it's currently being developed into a motion picture produced by E1. Her second novel in the series, Swap Club 2, recently hit the shelves as well. The first book follows one woman's sexual awakening as she and her husband join a clandestine Montreal swingers club. She'll be here to tell Mm -hmm. us about the movie and where Swap Club 2 begins. And closing out the show, performing in our live studio sessions today, we have Toronto pop artist Jack Kelly performing her new single, Nancy. And, of course, we're giving away not only the chocolate, but a fabulous skincare prize from CeraVe Canada. That contest, both contests are up now on Watch. She said talk.com and be sure to follow us on social media at what she said talk check out our free apple podcast where you can listen to past shows thanks again for tuning in 
Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Today, arthritis affects more than 6 million Canadians, and while the economic burden of arthritis on our society continues to rise, uh, it's currently more than $33 billion annually, so does the demand for relief from pain. Joining us now is Heather Shantora, the CEO of PT Health, who is here to tell us about an exciting new partnership. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Now, the Arthritis Society has just announced a partnership with PT Health, which is a community clinic network with more than 230 locations across this country. Tell us what the partnership is going to focus on. So there are 6 million Canadians today living with arthritis. That number is huge. That's like almost one in five. Mm -hmm. And they expect it to double um, in the next 10 years. And that it's a painful disease and it affects so many people. And so Mm -hmm. most um, people living in pain go to their physician and often that leads to pharmaceuticals. We are a chain of physiotherapy clinics. We offer other services like acupuncture, massage, chiropractic. Um, But we're across Canada. And so the conversation started with Arthritis Society saying, let's get these people having a better quality of life that doesn't require pharmaceuticals for life and get them moving, active, you know, release those joints of those stiffness. And so that's really where the conversation started is how do we help these 6 million Canadians get active, enjoy their quality of life while they have it, and really try to slow down the progression of the disease? It seems interesting to me that we are just now starting this real push because those those other options have always been available. Mm-hmm. Why is it is it is it because of the conversations about opioids and painkillers that we're starting to say, geez, maybe we shouldn't be starting these addictions? Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think that that plays into it. I think part of the challenge with physiotherapy, because it's been outside the OHIP system and other um, government systems in other provinces, people don't know the benefits of physiotherapy. In Ontario, only one in five Ontarians have ever been to physiotherapy. Physiotherapy can be dramatically life-changing for people. It really Mm -hmm. genuinely makes their life better. But because it's paid privately, many people haven't been and aren't aware that vast majority of healthcare plans cover it. About 76 Ontarians, 76% of Ontarians have coverage for it. They will not pay out of pocket, but they just haven't had the opportunity to try physio to see the benefits. So I think now with this push towards wellness and people being willing, to, being willing to invest in their own health, more people are trying physiotherapy. So I think it's an awareness thing as opposed to a lack of availability before. And what about awareness with doctors? 
prescribing it. Absolutely. And physicians, um, you know, they're in medical school for a very long time. The amount of time where they actually learn about other allied health professions is very, very small. So they're not really aware of the scope of a physiotherapist. Um, In Ontario, physiotherapists are first line health providers. In other words, if you have a twisted ankle, you can go straight to your physio. You You don't don't need need a physician's referral. referral. No. And very few health benefits actually require that. So you can go straight to them. They they are trained in human mu- human movement. They spend two years doing a master's program in physiotherapy plus their four years undergrad. So they have six years training in the musculoskeletal system and how to make it better. That is more time than a physician would spend doing that. But I just think that Ontarians and Canadians don't know that. The stats in Canada, the rest of Canada, are actually slightly less people have been to physio. They're strongest in Ontario. Well, it's interesting. My, my, um, my doctor referred me... Um, to a knee specialist Mm -hmm. and I had had arthritis, moderate arthritis apparently Mm -hmm. in my knee and I had an an injection of, I think it was to refill the synovial fluid, something like that, which was quite painful going in. But within a couple of days, it was like, wow, Mm -hmm. my knees are no longer grinding. I'm Mm -hmm. even like tempted to see if I can start jogging again. Mm -hmm. But along with that, she said, I want you to come back. It was a sports clinic that I was sent to. I want you to come back and work with a physiotherapist because you've been protecting the bad knee mm-hmm. for so long. You've actually weakened muscles that would so that you need to know specific exercises mm-hmm. to just work around that knee. And the mm-hmm. physiotherapist was excellent, like Great. really, really, really good. I was really happy with uh, with the work. Now I've just got to keep up the exercises. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy that was your experience and the advice you got because a lot of people, it's, you know, the injection, which those are fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have heard great things. But, you know, often that's it. Mm-hmm. And then pain medication related, you know. Yeah, if, no, if that was never even relief, suggested. That's fantastic. That was never and Honestly, that's what you want, isn't it? To get yeah. back to good quality of life jogging. And, and that has an effect on your emotional well-being as well, right? So mm-hmm. this really is a holistic issue for someone living with arthritis. Absolutely. Because let me just let me just continue with that that thought. Because for me, it was exercise was painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love to walk. I love to walk the dog. If I can't walk, mm-hmm. how am I, if I can't go downhills and going upstairs? And this is ridiculous. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I can deal with not running. I can deal with not, you know... Being able to do lunges, believe me, I can deal with not having to do lunges. <laughs> but if I can't walk, what mm-hmm. am I going to do for mm-hmm. exercise? Yeah, exactly. So this made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so I, I, I want to know in a, in a big picture sense how physiotherapy has the potential to you know, give arthritis patients their quality of life back, but at the same time reduce the personal and social burden mm-hmm. because it, it – we're we're spending a lot of money mm-hmm. on trying to treat people in the wrong way, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it is a progressive disease. People don't mm-hmm. get cured from it. And so that's critically important. But what, what we can do is, number one, early detection. So if you go um, to a physiotherapist, um, they can actually help detect that it is, in fact, arthritis, not um, you know just a temporary sports injury or something. The earlier that we can detect that, the quicker we can start working with it to make sure that it doesn't progress and you don't get to the point where you're living in constant pain and need pharmaceuticals, um, which in turn leads to um, physician visits, which costs the system money. Sometimes it leads to slips, falls, other things, which then ER, that costs money. So if we're able to intervene sooner, we have better outcomes. What physiotherapy can do is several things. So 
Kate, your example was great mm-hmm. because people do protect it and they modify their gait, mm-hmm. so the, the form in which they walk. Um, and that actually then just puts stress on different joints or the other leg, for example, or the low back. Hip. Exactly. <laughs> and then so then you're just spreading, you know, the issues that you have. So what they will do is do balancing exercises to make sure that you are appropriately using all the muscles in your leg. In some mm-hmm. cases, they'll do unloading exercises. So they will... Um, do manual therapy and pull on the joint to allow relief Mm -hmm. so that the two joints aren't rubbing. In some cases, people are really stiff and can't get any mobility into the joint. So they'll actually bend and move the joint for you that allows it to lubricate itself and then have a better feeling. So with physiotherapy, it's an individualized program for everyone. Um, So what they would do to work on with each patient would be different. The other thing that they would offer in a clinic is um, pain relief. So for example, they will do electrical stimulation or inferential currents, and that will help give the patient relief from that joint and that pain. In some cases, too, bracing might be appropriate. Knees Mm -hmm. are a really great example where there's a lot of pressure and grinding. We have unloading braces that literally take the weight off the joint for you so that that poor joint isn't being overused. Well, that's why... I mean, I guess you have physiotherapists with increased arthritis knowledge, and that's yes. that's fabulous. But I didn't know that PT Health is actually the largest woman-led physical rehabilitation company in Canada. Yes, yes. and I'm delighted to say that because um, 78% of all physiotherapists are female, and um, there's three major chains in Canada, and uh, so we, uh, PT Health, are one of them. We're the only one led by a woman, and the rest of the marketplace, for the most part, is independence. But to have 78% of those clinicians be represented by a woman, I think is really important and far more representative of what the workforce looks like. So the other thing is our we are national, but our full leadership team is made up of more than 50% women. Well, there's 230 yes. locations mm-hmm. across. So how can people find out where they are? You must have a website. Yes, pthealth.ca and you put in your postal code, it'll show you the closest one to you. We have a call center that's open, you know, all of the time zones seven days a week. So it's, it's very easy to get into a clinic. And you don't need a referral. You do not need a referral, no. Do you have to have been um, diagnosed with arthritis? I had to go through an x-ray process and I kept the the discs, right, Mm -hmm. so I could take them wherever I needed so everyone could see that before they would see me. So do you have to... No, you don't. A physiotherapist is able to diagnose that and come up with an individual treatment plan. A physician's not required. Perfect. So very quickly, what, what are the results that you've seen? By peop- from people who go in early, do exactly what you said. Right. It's the quality of life part, right, mm-hmm. where the, you know stairs are bothering them, mm-hmm. and then we get them to a point where that doesn't bother them anymore because we were able to strengthen other muscles. The testimonials we get are, are absolutely heartwarming. Um, you know, people who didn't run. We had one from a husband about his wife who, um, you know, she had challenges just with the activities of daily living, getting up, brushing her hair. To be able to change their lives so that they're more independent is is just enormous. And it must be great on a marriage not having to listen to somebody. <laughs> How much everything hurts or I can't do this. Part and like social benefits. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. Heather Shantora with PT Health. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. 
Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsandCo.com. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is psychotherapist, holistic nutritionist, and author, Christina Vero, who has just written a guide for parents, teachers, and mentors. It's called The Anxious Teen, and it helps answer the question, why are teens so darn anxious in the first place, and what can we do to help? Welcome back to What She Said, Christina. Thank you for having me. So, <clears throat> The Anxious Teen. Rates of anxiety are hitting catastrophic numbers, right, among today's mm, youth. Yeah. We know you have firsthand experience giving hundreds of hours of therapy to teens, parents, and families. But what made you want to take a deeper look into this unsettling phenomenon of anxiety? Yeah, so I just want to take a step back to what you said was okay. just the catastrophic numbers part. Yeah. And so a stat that always comes up for me that just blew my mind when I heard it, um, it's from the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And it said that between 2007 and 2014, there was a 55% increase in visits to emergency departments among teenagers for anxiety-related reasons. So that was just in seven years, that 55% increase. That's massive. And that to me was just shocking. So when I heard that, I was just completely curious and concerned about what was going on. But also just in my own practice as a psychotherapist, it was like every single teen I was seeing, I basically have just come to assume that they'll have anxiety because that's how common it is. And then outside of therapy, I was just noticing that everybody who I talked to when they found out that I was a therapist would be like, oh, well, I have a nephew who has really, really bad anxiety. Do you have any tips? Or teachers would be asking me for tips. So it was like everywhere I went, people were talking about anxiety and mostly about how it affected their teenagers. And so I was just thinking, you know, what is going on? And so I thought, I'm going to look into this. I'm going to explore it. And I'm going to write a book about it. So what is going on? What are the root causes of this massive increase? I mean, we, yeah. we sort of do associate anxiety with teens a little bit in the terms of growing up. Teen and angst, all the hormones, right? The hormonal stuff. But, yeah. but why this sort of explosion? Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to add some context into what's going on here. So if we think about today's teenagers, the first thing is that they were born into the post 9-11 era, as I say. So there were terrorist attacks that were happening. Then they eventually started hearing about bombings and shootings. And it kind of sent the message for them growing up that the world was very unsafe and security was ramping up everywhere. And I think an additional difference there is that they can see raw footage of these things everywhere. So they can go on Twitter and see the actual video footage of something terrible that's happened or they can get live updates and things like that. So that was the first part was this post 9-11 era 
phenomenon happening. And then the second one was that over the past 30 years, we've had more dual income parents, which means more stress at home, more parents that are probably glued to their phone, responding to work emails, maybe a little bit more emotionally distressed themselves, and also more single parent families. So in that case, if you're a single parent, there could be financial troubles there. There could be blended families that are difficult for teenagers. So that's just a little bit of the context that's happening. And also the rates of divorce and growing up in the friction between... Yeah, exactly. So there's interpersonal and then there's the global angst. Absolutely. And then you also have to keep in mind that these things are stressful for adults. So, you know, having two working parents is really hard or maybe having a blended family is really hard. But when you're a teenager, you also have the added layer of, well, my hormones are going crazy. There's all these changes happening internally. So it's just this perfect storm. So for me, the question is more so, like, of course they're anxious. Why wouldn't they be anxious kind of a thing? Now, you talked about social media playing a role in the sense that they can go anywhere yeah. and look at pictures of anything. Yeah. There's nothing hidden. Yeah. But also social media in the sense of teens are very uh, underconfident, let's say. Even a co- somebody who will end up being a confident adult goes yes. through that stage. Yeah. So the whole judging thing on social mm-hmm. media, does that play a part in anxiety? Absolutely. And that was something else I wanted to bring up was the social media piece because there is such an art to social media that many teens don't see. So it's a very curated platform like Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, all of these things, people can basically make up an image. And the problem that comes with that is teenagers now have plenty of opportunity for comparison. So all they're doing is looking at their friends and saying, oh, well, look how great their boyfriend looks or look at this trip that they just went on or look how fit they are. And they might not realize that that person edited the photo through five different apps. And look at how how she never wears the same thing twice. Right, right, (laughs) right. And so it is very curated. And so they're constantly exposing themselves to comparison. And what that also does, I think, is it leaves very little room for any reflection on who am I. And if we look at this from a psychological standpoint, in terms of stages of development, teenagers, their main job is to ask themselves, who am I? And to try to work out that identity. But that's really hard when you're constantly looking at other people. Okay, so as parents, then, Mm -hmm. let's say the pressures of doing homework, doing well in school, navigating the social situations as well as social media um, can be more difficult for some teens than others. Um, But I would guess it's important for parents to do their homework, too, Mm -hmm. and, and watch for signs of stress. But what are we looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say one thing is withdrawal. So with from friends, from family, from things that they used to really enjoy, if they're not doing those things anymore, then that could be a good indication that they're under a lot of stress. I've also noticed that with anxiety particularly, a lot of the time it affects people's appetite. So some people will eat a lot more. Some people will barely eat anything when they're anxious. So keeping in mind any appetite changes and general mood changes as well. I also think it's really important to ask teenagers, are you thinking about suicide? I think that's a very scary question for a lot of adults, teachers, whoever, Um, but it kind of needs to be asked. So asking that question outright, are you having suicidal thoughts and seeing what they come back with? Um, Also, just you know your teen well. So if you see any drastic changes in just their general behavior that's different for them personally, that's a good sign that something might be going on. And finally, I would say that a lot of teenagers express anxiety as physical symptoms, I've noticed as well. So they might say, 
oh, I'm just feeling really sick today. I can't go to school. Or I have a really, really bad headache. I can't go to school. And if that's happening a lot, a lot, a lot, then I usually, for me, that sort of code of I'm having a mental illness issue. I just don't know how to articulate it. So keeping in mind for them expressing it through physical symptoms as well is important. Have you come up with any solutions at all? I mean, it's a a big order. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I would say that the first really important thing for parents to do especially is to make sure that you're spending some quality interactive time with your teenager. I think this gets increasingly difficult. Like I said, when we have these dual income homes, um, parents are really busy. I totally get it. They're really, really stressed. But when teens feel isolated amidst all of these difficult things, I think that's a recipe for disaster. So when When I say quality interactive time, I don't mean go take them to a movie and just sit in silence. I mean, do something kind of fun together. So you can go for a hot chocolate and just chat. You can play a board game together. You can go for a walk. You can try a workout class together. Just You can anything. do your healthy nutritional meal prep, yeah. Christina, you right? Can do meal you can prep meal in the prep kitchen. for the week right. because nutrition yeah. must play a role in this. Absolutely. And so that's another thing, too, is that I think it's important that parents set a really good example in the ways that they can. And part of that is nutrition. Part of that is also emotionally in another way. So for example, I'll meet a lot of parents who will say, well, my kid's always on their phone. They have such an attitude problem. And then if I meet the two of them in session, the parents have a lot of attitude and they're checking their phone every 10 minutes. And so it's kind of like, this seems a little hypocritical. So we have to kind of check ourselves as well as mentors and parents and teachers to make sure we're setting a good example. What about the family meal? Because Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, we get away from that because we come home and they're busy and yeah. so they're standing at the counter and, yeah. and insisting on, I don't ask much, but we're going to sit down as a family and yes. chatting about the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, we had Sunday night dinners because we all had crazy schedules. I was in dance. My brother was in hockey. My sister was in swimming. But we had one night a week where we had to have dinner together. And there's been a lot of really interesting research that shows that the more connected teens feel to their families, the less likely they are to get involved with drugs, with a lot of other problematic behaviors. Behaviors, so to say, and it's because of that connection piece, which seems funny because that doesn't seem like something that would directly go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but the indirect effects of that are pretty f- interesting. So absolutely, family meals just when you can. Yeah. yeah. Well, The Anxious Teen is available now on Amazon in ebook and hard copy format. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's very it's very readable, very simple. You're not going to get into a big, heavy, like, textbook. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's eminently readable. If you want to win a copy, there is a contest up now on whatshesaid.talk.com. Uh, but where can people go to actually get the book if they just want to get it right now, ebook? Yeah, so it's on iBooks. It's also on Amazon.ca, and I have links on my website as well directly, which is www.fresh-insight.ca. Fresh-insight.ca. Now, actually, you have a book signing tomorrow. I do. What time is that? Yeah, so it's at the Metropolitan United Church in Toronto on Queen Street East, and it's from 12 to 3 p.m. So please come out, say hello, talk to me. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So, I mean, this is um, what are you going to work on next? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I've been thinking about doing something for couples. Uh-oh. Communication issues. I see that a lot. So yeah. that might be my next yeah. tackle. Okay. Dinner together might might work for them, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Christina Vero, as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year 
Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. What she said. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, Saturday night at eight o'clock, I know where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick my baby up and take her to the picture show. Joining us now is what she said, film critic Ann Brody for Saturday Night at the Movies. And Michael Moore is back with a portrait of Donald Trump in TIFF favorite Fahrenheit 11.9. Tell us about that. My goodness, I did not. I woke up with such a start the next morning after I saw it, thinking about Donald Trump. But not only Donald Trump, he also takes aim at Barack Obama and Joe Biden and all kinds of people for the things that they did that put Trump where he is now. Um, it's a frightening documentary, but Michael Moore, you know, he always is where he needs to be. Uh, a couple of days after Parkland, he was already in plans with the kids to, to shoot them and shooting them. Um, he's always right up to the minute. It's astonishing. Perhaps you should say film them. Instead of right. shoot them, <laughs> it's just. A... <laughs> Oops! I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just want to clarify that. Well, it's good to laugh. Uh, yeah. It is a, a very good. He's back to form, might I say? He is. Yeah. Okay. After a, mm. so, but you did not sleep soundly after viewing it. It disturbed. No, you. it was horrific, and I I saw uh, friends who saw it as the last film at as their last film. They said it was a terrible way to wind it up. Mm. It's just so alarming, and and he proves everything. It's stunning. I don't want to give it all away here. There's going to be a few things on my blog, though. (laughs) As always. you know, highly entertaining and cuts to the heart. Well, let's go to the heart, but in a different way. A love story, life itself. Yes, it's, it's kind of charming. I will say right off the bat that Don Fogelman, who does This Is Us, made this film, uh, far too many characters, far too many circumstances, uh, just too jam-packed. But basically, it's kind of Ancestry, the movie, uh, about a family that morphs and changes and grows and shrinks and has tragedies and joys over maybe three decades between so Spain. So what? It's This Is Us, the movie? Kind of. But not as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just too much. Just too, too much, much so too you're much. distracted and... But I got to tell you, Oscar Isaacs plays a man with mental illness brought on by the split with his wife. Uh, he loved her too much and smothered her. Um, and that's where we begin in the film. And we go to the past and the future as well. Now, this documentary has been... People have been waiting this for a long time. Love, Gilda. Gilda Radner. Oh. Definitely cut down in her prime. Just, what, 42? 
Yeah, I think she was. And that was in 89 or 86 or something? It was a long time ago. A long time ago. Oh, boy, did that girl have talent. She was the first person to be hired on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. But, of course, she came up uh, after university. She went up to Toronto and stayed here and made her way in Second City. And then after creating a really strong repertory company with with Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and Joe Flaherty and everyone— was lured down to the States and um, ultimately went on to Saturday Night Live. The documentary is actually uh, quite descriptive of of her interior life because it's taken from her notes and her letters. Mm -hmm. So she had a tough upbringing. Her mother more or less ignored her. And uh, she was raised by a nanny who wound up living in Stony Creek named Dibby. and she was, she was, she found her release in play acting. And her father was a great audience for her. He would laugh and cheer and, and encourage her. And that's, so it was extra tragic when he died when she was young. So, but she found great community, <laughs> she found great community with these comedians. She slept with all the male cast, with the exception of Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And she was always looking for love. She said love was the driving force of her life. Well, she ended up marrying Gene Wilder, right? Yeah. yeah. And that, that seemed to be the truest thing she'd ever mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it wasn't long after that she was diagnosed. With ovarian yeah. cancer. And they uh, also have one for Gene Fonda. Yeah, great. Uh, Five Acts oh is a, a raw have documentary, you, they're saying. What? Yeah. <sighs> it is so sad. That's on HBO. Is it sad? Acts. It is so sad. She was another girl who was ignored by a parent, her father, mm-hmm. Henry. Yeah. Um, he never touched her. She touches him in On Golden Pond wasn't in the script, but she touched him, and he immediately drew back like this. He rarely spoke to her except to chide her. Anyway, so she's achieved this tremendous success. And did you know that her her workout tape actually helped develop, was the first important video ever released, Mm -hmm. and helped develop the video industry as a whole? And she she was awarded for that. You know, and she's had a number of marriages, and she said not a single one was democratic. What does that mean? Uh, that she always made herself what the husband wanted mm-hmm. to be, the way she looked, the way she behaved. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, she uh, left her ideal match, which seemed to be Ted Turner, to return to the activism. As you know, she was hated for going to Hanoi. Mm-hmm. Hanoi um, Jane. Yeah, Hanoi Jane. And, um, and now apologizes for it. So it's a very powerful, moving, and at moments joyful Documentary and she, oh my God, she looks great. She admits to plastic surgery and is fine with it. Okay, so we've got to uh, wrap it up. But you also uh, Netflix is debuting Maniac. You kind of like that with Emma Stone and, and Jonah Hill. Yeah, it's about a drug test gone terribly wrong in sort of this uh, parallel universe to what we have now. All right. And you can find all of Anne's reviews up now on whatshesaidtalk.com. But you also got to sit down with Oscar-winning producer Clark Spencer to talk Ralph Breaks the Internet, also known as Wreck-It Ralph 2. It's not out until November, but you got a sneak peek, and all of the Disney princesses are back. Let's take a listen. Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big, strong man showed up? Yes! What is up with that? She She is is a princess! princess. (laughs) Ralph Breaks the Internet. Clark, your films have a real sense of wonder and awe, but humor and a kind of satirical humor, which I love. 
So is that sort of a conscious thing, or does that just happen in the writing? You know, I've been lucky to work with filmmakers that kind of come with that that kind of comedy sense to them. And in this case, Rich Moore and Phil Johnson, the two uh, directors of the film, and Phil Johnson's the writer on the story and was on the writer on the first one, that's kind of their point of view from a comedic standpoint. And it's the thing I love. It may, they make me laugh every single day yes. because it just comes <laughs> organically great? from them. Yeah. Uh, and it's the thing I, I love about these movies. Okay, so you're a producer. You've produced most of Disney's big recent hits. Uh, you know, I don't get it though, Harvard finance, <laughs> making movies. How does it all work, right? What's the timeline? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a great question. When I came out of university, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and everybody was going to Wall Street at the time, and I thought, okay, that's, I guess that's what I'll go do. The That'll 80s? Give me, it was, yeah, the late yeah. 80s. Um, that would really give me a sense of, of business, right? And I'll, I'll get that that spirit to it. But after about four years, I realized that I didn't have passion for it. It wasn't what I wanted to wake up every single day and do. And I thought I don't want to wake up in 30 years and not love what I'm doing. So I started to think about entertainment. My grandparents owned a movie theater when I was a kid. Oh so I saw movies all the time. And I thought, why not just take a leap of faith and move to LA and see if I could create some kind of a career in, in entertainment. And look at where I am today. It's incredible. <laughs> so I always say to people, follow your heart, follow, follow that. And, and do something you love, because you'll be infinitely happier doing that. That is a great story. Oh, thank you. Something I love about Ralph Breaks the Internet is the digs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. too subtle sometimes. Yeah. There's the um, the aggressive autofill, which we all yes. hate. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, that he's going to break it. Yeah, yeah. And love it. Yeah. Is that kind of what, I think we all kind of need that. Don't you? Yeah, you like know, a I little think, bit of payback. Well, sort of. I think the key element in the storytelling of this, of this is the internet's this big, amazing world that actually does connect the world. There's so many great things about the oh, internet, yes. but there's complicated, difficult parts about it too. There's dark sides to it, and we wanted to explore all of that. We didn't want to just give one picture of the internet as if it's this amazing world. We needed to talk about things like the fact that autofill can annoy you. We need to. We actually go into a comments room, and really, for Ralph, it's an awakening for him to realize that maybe the whole world doesn't see his character the way he wants to be seen and I, I think it's a it's an important thing that opens the opportunity for parents who take their kids to these films to talk to them about that to say you know remember that scene in the movie well let's talk a little bit about what what is that and what did that mean for Ralph and how do you yourself protect yourself that's from fantastic. those kind of feelings yeah that's fantastic but I think one of the moments I loved the best was the princess reunion <laughs> it was such a great it was so good to see them it, is, it was an amazing experience, honestly. Really, it was an idea pitched in the story room that we thought could be incredibly comedic on one level, but also eventually, as we built the story, became really important to the storytelling. Vanellope's a princess herself, so what if she met the other Disney princesses? And what if they opened her eyes to this concept of what is your destiny? That maybe she isn't where she's supposed to be. Maybe there is something bigger out there for her. And that's what those characters end up doing. But for us, we were bringing back characters that had made us want to be part of Disney animation and we were bringing back the original voice cast and getting to meet these incredible actresses who brought these characters to life. So it was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience that, uh, that I'm so excited for the audience to see that really had a deep impact on me. And Irene Bedard, I interviewed her for Pocahontas did, and yeah. there she is. Yes. It was, it was heartwarming. It was really heartwarming. And you know the cool thing is each one of them actually spent time in the studio talking to the animation team about their characters. Because these animators haven't animated all these characters themselves, so to get the original voice cast to come in and say, here's the way I see the character, here's how I would want to see her um, portrayed in, in animation was, was phenomenal. It was a, a oh, that's just fantastic. 
Thank you for bringing another terrific film, and we'll see you for the next one. Oh, I, I look forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank nice you. to meet you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, the old 1970s trend of suburban husbands and wives having consensual sex with other married couples is alive and well in Montreal. That's where Canadian comedy writer Lauren Wise starts off the second book in her hit series, Swap Club. And she joins us now in studio. Welcome back to What She Said, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the series' first book made its North American debut in February 2017, and it's going to be made into a motion picture by Entertainment One. How exciting is that? It's exciting. It's exciting, and it's also a very slow process. So you get excited, and then there's a quiet... Hurry up and wait. That's the saying, right? Yeah, that is the saying. So, But even more exciting, you're going to be the executive producer on the adaptation of that. So you're kind of in charge. I'm not. I I mean, it really does take an army to make a movie. Mm -hmm. So we all have a say. We're a big production team. We have, uh, right now, we're four producers on it. And I don't make any decision without a consensus from everybody mm-hmm. because obviously if there's another voice in the room that feels contrary to a decision, there's there's reason behind that. And, uh, and I'm not used to that, being a writer. I'm used to making my own decisions. And when I write, I'm alone and I get to make all my decisions. And now you have to share. Now I have to, I have to listen. <laughs> okay, so what is it like your first book, Runaway Hit, then comes a movie offer, I mean, this is the stuff that dreams are made of. This is what every writer dreams about. It is. It is. Are you I still shell shocked? I am. I I try to contain myself because there's a lot of bumps along the road when it comes to movie mm-hmm. making. The option for the for the uh, manuscript was a very very beginning step of a very long process. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in right now getting the screenplay. We should actually have it today. So I'm kind of on eggshells to see what the final draft looks like. And uh, and if it looks good, uh, we're on to the races with casting and uh, attaching a director. So when do you hope to start production? Um, well, if the script is good, 
-hmm. and we all agree that it's, you know, and E1 greenlights it, then we are, we're going to get, you know, speak with our casting director and, and, uh, you know, and away we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so for, for those who don't know, let's talk about Swap Club. It follows one woman's sexual awakening as she and her husband join a clandestine Montreal swingers club. So give us an idea of where the first Swap Club book ends off and where Swap Club 2 begins. Okay. Well, it ends with the couple, Ryan and Val, um, at a meeting with the headmistress and uh, they think they're saying goodbye and thank you for a great year. And Celeste hands them a new contract. And that's how the first book ends. Mm -hmm. And so the cliffhanger is, do they sign on for another year? There were a lot of uh, hiccups along the way. Um, But uh, yeah, I pick up the second book where that left off. So the if I wanted to do a spoiler alert, I would say the Mm -hmm. year two uh, is the second year of the contract. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. I, I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> well, not, not, not unless you want to read the book. Right? Right. Which you should. So what, who is the headmistress? Her name is Celeste. And, who, and, and she's the headmistress of? The club. The club. Oh, so it's a membership okay. club. Ah. And it's run by this woman. Her name is Celeste, a very fabulous woman. Yes. And uh, she sends a text message out every, um, the first Saturday night of the month. The man gets an address and he leaves and goes to a woman's home and the wife stays home and her doorbell rings at eight o'clock with a a gentleman on her doorstep. And so Celeste is the kind of master organizer of all that. Okay, so you make it very clear in the prologue of the first book that all of this is made up. Yes. But how did you come up with the story? Inquiring minds want to know. Well, it's fiction. So the club and Celeste and all the characters are from my imagination. The idea of swinging and swapping, uh, especially in Montreal, is a is a rumor that's been circulating since my mother, who's 68, was my age, um, with key parties and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, I even hear he- that Toronto has oh, a yeah. swinging, uh, yeah, community. It does. Yeah. yeah it does. And so my friends from Toronto who read the book said, you know, you should do a Swap Club Toronto version because they're, apparently it's going on here too. Oh, it's been going on. I, I imagine my surprise of going to a, what I thought was a nice little neighborhood pub in, in Pickering. <laughs> and upstairs, there was a whole different game going on. But this wasn't, this was... Um, Shared in a public space, swapping. So yes. that's going on here. There's all kinds of different sex clubs that are open, but it's 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 sort of a minefield. I think we've always thought that Montreal was somewhat more open to this kind of thing than than Toronto, the good. She says in quotes. Right. I I would say that yes, Montreal is uh, known for their um, very open sexuality. We have strip clubs lining every street. Mm-hmm. Um, if your daughter doesn't turn into a stripper, you're kind of lucky. In Montreal, <laughs> oh, you know, you're like, oh do you want to be a lawyer, or a dentist, or a stripper? And well, that, that's yeah. kind of funny because you have a daughter in in dance. I do. And I, I had two daughters in competitive dance. Yeah. And my husband always used to joke, well, at least they can, you know, get work dancing around a pole right. if, <laughs> if, if, you know, if this doesn't if, turn out. Right, if law school doesn't work <laughs> out. You, know, you can always fall back on your, your oh, dancing no. ability. On your dancing. So yeah. how, um, you know, 
can you see that sort of aspect? I don't know how old your daughter is. Going. She's 10, so I don't really, I try not to think try about not that. Try not to think about it. Some of those <laughs> costumes, though. No, 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 no. no, no. no. We, we had a good conversation about my book when the first book came out, which was there are, are TV shows and movies that are rated R for adults only, mm -hmm. and you can't watch them, but I can. And there's books that are appropriate for you and appropriate for adults, and my book is an appropriate book for an adult to read. And when you're an adult, I'll give you your own copy. And how um, do you think that discussion is going to go? Especially with the internet. I, it's, she's going to... You know what? Right now she understands that it's a book about a woman who turns 40 <sighs> and, her, and her marriage and her friends. And for a 10-year-old, that's enough information for her mm -hmm. to care what the book's about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are there going to be more in this series? Maybe yes, you'll there's come one more. There's one more? There's one more. And a then trilogy. A trilogy. And then I'm done writing Swap Club. Because, okay. you know what? I'm a writer first. And so this is what I, I focused on for the last couple of years. And I want to write other things. I have mm -hmm. other stories that I want to tell that, mm -hmm. are, you know, that's not about swinging and swapping. Now mm -hmm. you have worked as a writer's assistant for Just for Laughs galas in Montreal, featuring Seth Rogen, Joan Rivers, Sarah Silverman, to name a few. What has life been like since the release of this book? It's been amazing. I have to say, when you're a writer, you're alone in your house or your office, and it's a really solitary um, job. It really is, and I, and I crave human contact. So when my family gets home at the end of the day, I'm like the dog, like, how's your day? What'd you do? What'd you go? <laughs> and they've been around people all day, and they're like, whoa, yeah. I just need some quiet. Exactly. So, I, you know, working for Just for Laughs was a huge, huge um you know, amazing experience for me. I got to work with the most amazing um, talent that's out there. Some who are no longer alive, like Joan Rivers mm -hmm. and um, and uh, Don Rickles. Mm -hmm. And it's just stuff that you keep with you with you every time you take your computer out and you remember a little piece of advice that someone gave mm -hmm. to you, or or how they changed a joke that was written for them. So mm -hmm. it's you know. So this sounds like a sort of progression of a journey for you because you've come from a solitary environment. You're now going to go into a big time, I mean, with a movie production mm -hmm. and all those people you're going to be seeing every day at the office, quote unquote. Right. I, I, It'll be fun. Don't it's going to be fun. It's going to be really good for me to um, be amongst humans, you know, <laughs> from nine to five or however long it is. Um, but my comfort zone is really on my own. I, I wouldn't call myself a loner because I do love people and I do love my family and my friends. But, you know, even here I came, I was early and I sat in my car instead of coming out because I was more comfortable just sitting in my car and waiting. So I, I we're friendly. I know, you very friendly, <laughs> very friendly, and, and it's not a you. It, it's not the you know from outside. It's it's something inside me, and that's why I think being a writer is my perfect. Um, but position. perhaps it's just professionally you're more comfortable doing your work on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, yes, I like to write on my own, but it's not to say that I'm not sending out my writing to close friends and family who I trust, not the ones that are going to be like, oh, it's great, but I want to get feedback. So although I write it on my own, I do need outside people to make it better for me. Right. So, so where can people get a copy of Swap Club? To anywhere you could buy a book. Anywhere. Amazon, Indigo. And when Indigo. will the movie be out? Um, do you think? 
What's the, what, I don't what are know. we aiming I, I'm for? hoping, so it's a very slow process and I'm learning that. Yeah. And uh, the producers on the team and Entertainment One, they all get so annoyed with me when I'm like, when, how long? Why is it taking so long? Because for them, the movie normal. industry takes long to yeah. make a great movie. If you want to make a not so great movie, then then they don't, it's, it's not the same. Um, so I'm hoping within the next year we'll be in production and, and have... Uh, and something to show the world. And we'll, and we'll have you back to talk about the movie. I would yeah. love that. I would love that. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Today. Thank you for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. <laughs> Want to know more about the music and the musicians you love? Today we're talking about five bands that have been at it for a very long time. The entire album was recorded over three weekend sessions for a cost of $6,000. Whenever I do an impression of Bob Dylan, that's the only line that I do. Tangle up in blue. That's, that's it. And you that's, do it. That's very all I do. Well. I do can't it again. Do it again. Tangle up in blue. <laughs> what that Eric Alper knows will spin your head Sundays on What She Said Talk. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Listening to is nothing by Toronto's own Jack Kelly. Welcome to what she said. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Your style is described as cinematic '70s throwback. Tell us how you got started in the music industry in the first place. Uh, well, I've I've been making music pretty much my entire life. Um, this project is definitely geared more towards those kinds of influences. So, uh, Serge Gainsbourg was a huge um, starter for me, and then uh, anywhere between Blondie and the Bee Gees, basically. So th those are the main inspos for this, yeah. Blondie to the Bee Gees, that's... That, Quite a range. <laughs> Super <laughs> disco. Well, I mean, you know, if you love music, you love music, yeah. right? Inspired by anything. Um, I want to know uh, your name. It's spelled J-X-C-K-K-X-L-L-Y. What's yes. going on there? Well, the name is actually claimed by an, uh, an actor from the 30s. So 
I just put a stylistic twist on it. It's really not that interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we think it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, figuring out how to pronounce it was, yeah. uh, was interesting. Now, you've got... Two songs out. Yes. So one of which you're going to be performing in a moment. They're mm. said to the, embody the notions of artist disdain for the superficiality of society. So tell us about the inspiration for that. Oh, well, I mean, I'm a millennial, and um, as much as I try to deny it, I am. And it's a challenge to live in today's society. There's a lot of contradictory messages that are happening, and mm-hmm. um, that's that's kind of what the songs touch on. As in what, for example? Body image, uh, mm. politics, mm-hmm. um, feminism. Gender. Gender. And it keeps mm-hmm. going. Yeah. So, uh, and you've got an upcoming EP? Yes. It's going to be out on uh, August 24th. It's called Revolution, which is obviously tied into the same themes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell everyone where they can find you online, how they connect and get your music. Um, my website is www.jxckxlly.com. <laughs> and all of my social media have the same, the same spelling. So that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for joining us thank today. You. What She Said will be back tomorrow at noon right here on 105.9 The Region and singing us out now in our live studio session. Here is Jack Kelly performing Nancy. Nancy walked in Married to God Fine religion Fine religion For us all Jesus save me Jesus save me From myself Jesus save me Jesus save me from myself Cause I just wanna get high, get high, get high, get high on life Get high, get high, get high, get high on life Keep on running, silver suits and vagabonds. Keep on running, the solution's dead and gone. Someone help me, someone help me with this stress. Someone help me, I'm being held, being held under duress, yeah, cause I just want to get high, get high, get high, get high on life, get high, get high, get high, get high on life. Up in sin and redemption, but what's bad can feel so good. So wrapped up in sin and redemption, but what they say is bad can feel so good. A victim of society, I don't ever want to be. A 
victim of society I don't ever want to be. A victim of society I don't ever want to be. Get high, get high. Get high, get high. Get high, get high. Get high. I just want to get high, get high, get high, get high. I just want to get high, get high, get high, get high. I just want to get high, get high, get high, get high on Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.